in the known world, the, the, the truth is, is spreading and it's spreading fast. We're looking at only 20 or 30 years here. And it is doing what? Bearing fruit. Mm. Right? And again, walk worthy of the Lord. There is this fruit that uh, is that people can see, that they can taste, that they can actually get a sense of. And, uh, and it's increasing. The fruit is increasing. Now, where's the fruit increasing from? How's it increasing? Welcome to the Christ Church Jerusalem podcast, where we seek to gain a better understanding of the Hebraic context of Scripture. We're delighted that you're joining us this week for our latest Bible study episode. Our aim is to equip our listeners to wrestle with and deepen their understanding of the Word of God with a unique perspective that we bring from Jerusalem. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to Christchurch, Jerusalem, for our Wednesday night Bible study. We are beginning the epistle to the Colossians. And you're very welcome for those that are joining uh, on the podcast. Then um, if you're not familiar with who Christchurch is or the ministry that's going on inside the Holy Land, then uh, please go to the website uh, for CMJ or Christchurch. Emmanuel Center and uh, click on there's a variety of different links that you can join in get uh, free newsletters um, commentaries on the lectionary there's a, a whole host of, uh, of videos and articles that are that are all there for you all free uh, why because uh, the gospel is free so brother Moti would you be so kind as uh, to pray us in yes sir thank you so almighty father we gather here today under your care and protection. Thank you for your loving kindness that never fails us. And we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for those with us today. And please guide our thoughts and actions to bring you glory and strengthen us and fill us with your spirit so we may learn from the gospel of your son May we love and serve each other as Jesus has shown us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and to, to do your good work on earth. And Lord Jesus, you are very worthy of all honor and praise. Please help us to love as you do and to act wisely so that others will be drawn to your salvation and hope. May we build up each other today and encourage each other today as we give you all the glory. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, as an introduction to, to the epistle, um, Colossians is a, a community that Paul hasn't actually founded himself, a bit like Romans. So this is actually not a community that he has um, set up, may have visited the, the, the city, not a very big city. Uh, on his journey, but we're not 100% sure of that. There's no record per se. Um, it's uh, the, the the town itself, Colossae, wasn't actually a very important town. Okay. Um, it's not like uh, the actual really important town was the one closer uh, 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 to the coast called uh, Laodicea, not that far away. And, um, and actually the epistle mentions that these communities actually kind of knew each other. And, um, and you end up with... Um, this unimportant town end up with an epistle that's in the Bible and the more important town, okay, with uh, which Paul says there was something written to them, not in the Bible. Very interesting 
little little thing. So it's not important enough in terms of its uh, empire status, but it's important enough that the letter and the things that are contained in the letter are preserved. And um, there is a, we would all probably agree that uh, Paul wrote this text, and pretty much that was the opinion of uh, all of the church fathers. And um, they pretty much stayed that way until uh, German critical scholarship, of which we are all horribly thankful for, are we not? Okay, and uh, and they called everything into question, and uh, they had a close look, and they said, no, it can't possibly be Paul because it uses different words and this, that, and the other, and uh, many of their arguments are not very good. Uh, but that tends to be um, some of the more modern modern scholarship. Although uh, since the since the the founding of uh, the Jesus movement, this um, is has never been questioned by the early fathers that this was actually a document from Paul. Um, although he personally might not have written it with his hand, not like he wrote these things. They were often written by scribes, and in this case. Uh, most likely Timothy. And uh, so why does some of Paul's letters appear different? Because they're using different scribes. And, um, and, and so they're not all going to sound the same. Um, when did he write it? Well, the, the uh, usual consensus is uh, during his first imprisonment, which is um, in the book of Acts, okay, Acts 28 which describes that Paul has a two-year house arrest. Um, does anyone know how the book of Acts ends? Does anyone remember? It remembers with the house arrest of Paul. <laughs> it, remember, it ends in chapter 28 with Paul under house arrest for two years. And, um, and that's, that's it. That's the way the, the book of Acts concludes and the the sort of you know scholarly consensus is during this time when he's under house arrest uh he ends up pending a series of of documents um in particular ephesians and colossians very close close together uh, uh and in many of our other discussions about what the new testament is particularly the epistles um uh, the new testament is a collection of books about communities in trouble Right? We don't we don't have a an, an epistle written to a community where there isn't any trouble. You know, we don't get the epistle to the Laodiceans where Paul says, "Guys, you are absolutely the best thing since sliced pita. You are absolutely fantastic." And I'm thinking of writing a document so that everybody can figure out this is what a real church is supposed to look like. You know, um, what we end up getting is we end up getting letters and epistles. Why? Because there's a concern because there's an issue that needs to be um, worked out, hashed out, um, given some pastoral oversight, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so uh, that's what it is that, that we're reading. Uh, in terms of its genre, uh, it's not a gospel, right? You know, there's, not, well, there's no words of Jesus in red, and it is read differently to um, a gospel or to sacred history like acts or to an apocalypse like the book of revelation it has it's uh, it's uh, an, an epistle and uh, it's post-resurrection theology unlike the gospels which are before the resurrection you know most of the gospels only have like 
uh, half a chapter or one chapter sort of after the resurrection, the majority of them is, is, is pre. So we're looking at a community that's, that's uh, in light of a resurrected Messiah. And we're looking at uh, communities that are mixed, mixed uh, mixtures of, uh, of Jews, of Jews and Gentiles. And uh, what are some of the issues that we're going to come across? Well, we're going to come across some issues like uh, ceremonialism, that um, it's not about calendars, not about times uh, and dates and things like that. We're going to, we're going to discuss uh, asceticism, um, uh, you know, things that you're not allowed to touch and, and not things you have to avoid from eating and and things like that. We're going to just get this weird little uh, phrase about the worship of angels and try to figure out where does that come from? Because that doesn't appear in the Gospels, right? That seems to be a diaspora problem. And we also have to remember that the epistles are diaspora, right? They're not, these are not the issues that are occurring in the land of Israel. These are occurring outside the land of Israel. And they have a different set of issues uh, that, they're, that they're looking at. Uh, the issue of secret knowledge. Not full-blown Gnosticism, as we sort of understand it uh, in the second and third centuries, but something prior. And so some of these issues are issues that are, some of them are Jewish issues and some of them are Gentile issues, okay, that uh, is, 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 is in this mix that we're going to be, going to be looking at. Uh, so I think what we'll do is uh, we'll read the first 14 verses. And, uh, and I, I think there's a, and there's a lot there in, in this text. And, um, and then we'll see how far we get. So I'll read for the podcast. And I'm reading from an ESV, um, the letter of Paul to the Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. To the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed, in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. All right, so that's the first 14 verses. And, uh, and there's a, my gosh, there's actually a lot there. Small little text, which is absolutely packed. So based on a, the, just the overall literal reading, we'll get into it verse by verse. What are some of the things that jump out at you? Our usual tradition for those that might be first here is we read the text and we just reflect on some of the things that jumped out at us. Perhaps a word triggered something. Perhaps we'd never seen a sentence before. In Hebrew, you call this the pshat, the literal text. We'll then get a little deeper into it. But first, we'll do what's just jumps out at you. Kate from Scotland, what jumps out at your sister? Ah, oh, it was it was a question really because it suddenly occurred to me that we we accept the term saints and we know that saints are usually created by um, the hierarchy and the powers that be that accept that they're saints, but they're referred to in this passage. Who who decided that they were saints and not just disciples who were dead or or good right. people who had died? Right. So it's the it's the term the modern term that we might. In, in large sections of our modern church saints, yeah, it tends to refer to one or two people or these um, definitely dead people um, who might have done some amazing things and some of them have done really cool things and you have special days to remember them, you know, all saints days. Uh, and, yes, here we are in the New Testament writing to people who are very much alive and, uh, and they're called saints. Yeah. And I find it very interesting that there's saints and fellow brethren. And uh, which is an interesting word, particularly in its context. Now, let's remember, this is probably written, the, the sort of estimates and things sort of around uh, 60 AD, you know, plus or minus, okay? but around, around that time. You're looking at 20 years you know, after the, uh, the, the resurrection, maybe a little bit, a little bit more. And, um, and, and, and so you're still using words okay, that are packed with meaning. So when you hear the word brethren, if you were uh, uh, few in, in Greek, if you were a Jewish listener, who are the brethren? Anyone know? Anyone have a guess? Israel. Right. The other Jews. Other Jews. And, yeah. Correct. And that actually was the way that word was used. Okay, in the, in, the, in the gospel, when you ever heard the word brethren, Adolfi, it would only refer to Jewish people. Okay, until you got to um, Acts 15. Once you had Acts 15 and they have the council in Jerusalem and they decide, no, no, Gentiles are now considered part of the community. We don't, we don't have to get them circumcised. Then from that moment, Acts 15, the word brethren, Adolfi, also referred uh, to Gentiles. So it's interesting here that, that Paul uses the word saints and brethren. So he could be referring to two groups of people, or he just could be referring to, you know, the way you say friends and acquaintances, you know, uh, as though acquaintances are not friends. But they could be two distinct groups of people, or they could just be the same people just being with, the, with, with two different words. I don't really know. The only way you'll ever really truly find out is when you talk to Paul. And um, I all hope you remember this incident. And when you finally meet him and you say, dude, I've got a question for you on chapter or verse two Colossians. And he goes, really? That was it? That's all you want to talk about? But uh, <laughs> it's a small issue. 
Moti, all, all who have Israel. the Spirit are saints. There you go. That's, in the uh, New yeah. Testament. So could you say that again, please? Sorry. All who have the Holy Spirit are saints in the New Testament and in, in life. Ah, oh, so disciples. Christ, Christ is made, has been made for us sanctification and through the reception of the Spirit. And you and you and you call. He even calls uh, the people in Corinthians saints, um, and which is a really cool thing to say, particularly when you read what their issue was. Vida or David, sunny England. It's, as I was reading through it, what really struck me, it seems to imply that a lot of the terminology being used here about the saints is past tense, like it's completed already, where it says he has delivered us, he's already made us. So um, I was just wondering if uh, perhaps uh, Ariel. Ariel can just confirm that this is really a, a the Ariel. tense of the Greek here, is it? Is it, is, it, is it completed work that all is being referred to here? Or is it a yes, yes. There, there, are, there are here a series of what's called aorist participles. And a participle refers to the action and the aorist aspect of, of it is, is implying that it's already done. Okay. Because yeah. I think that's quite amazing for me. Because as I'm reading it, we've been delivered. We're already seated. With, like we, you know, all these things we... We, I, I'm just really suddenly grasping how much has already been done. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's good. Excellent. That doesn't stop him from having to write because it's no. an issue, but it's good to reflect, especially when we meet each other, you know, either in person or online or in our studies, just to over, once again remind ourselves of the great things that has happened. And, uh, and his current exhortation is to grow in these things. Yeah, that's right. They're not to be static in it. That's right. Uh, the 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 title of our study is is from this portion we just read. Um, to study, to grow, to work, to walk worthy of the Lord is um, one of our one of our desires. Is to be better disciples. Is that that we're not to remain static. That we're actually. Uh, and are walking out our faith, as they say, with fear and trembling. All right. Uh, anything else before we go in a, in a line by line sort of thing? Anything else jump out at people? Great. So for those that have been listening on the podcast, just the, the usual way we, we like to study is just to give it a surface reading and just to see if there was a word or something that juts out. And um, because sometimes, and I can even, even, um, tell you sometimes I read my Bible and uh, I swear new sentences have been added um, while I was sleeping and uh, that, that even occurred one day while I was reading the gospel in church I almost had to do a double take to go how'd that word get there uh, that's, I'm so, I swear that word's not there before but, yeah so it's always good it's always good to do a surface reading just to, just to see and then and then jump in all right so Paul, I mean, already a loaded uh, phrase. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. All right. So Paul is uh, announcing himself as an apostle. So who's he writing to? Colossians. Has he ever been there? Probably not. 
So do they know who he is? They must be, yeah. Okay. Next question. Do they know what an apostle is? Yes. <laughs> so what do you think that they might know an apostle is? Jesus' is 12 disciples. Okay. So that, that could be one thing. could be that they might be have heard the story of, uh, of Jesus, of Yeshua gathering his inner 12, you know, and um, we call them uh, the apostles. Not that we have... Not that we have any record of any of them visiting. It's the one of maybe those one of those who set up a church. The, one of the sent the sent ones. Okay. Yes. The actual word itself just means simply the sent one. Um, uh, and it's always fun uh, when you order pizza here in Israel, uh, and you'll get a little text saying that the shaliach, the apostle of the, of, uh, the Pizza Hut is <laughs> on his way with a hot pizza. And you go, brilliant. I've always wanted an apostle to show up in my house with a pizza. Welcome uh, him. Yeah. It's, uh, but what is it? What, what, what do you think they are hearing? So John, John from sunny Jerusalem, actually sunny uh, old city. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> apostle is a really interesting word and in that it wasn't actually that common in the Roman world. Um, in fact, basically just from the New Testament, there are more mentions of apostle than all the other Roman writings combined. Because that, what you're saying, that would be its Hebrew root, shaliach. Uh, the Greek word. Right, so of the apostle. So the, if it's not a common word in Greek, but we do see it in the New Testament, then it's probably basis thought is the the. All right, Kate, sunny uh, Scotland. I, d I just wondered if it was, because when I read it in this context, I imagined that it would be, you know, we talk about when, when the disciples were sent out to spread the word, um, they were sent to walk in the way that Jesus walked. They were sent to copy him, um, to be like him. And so would we, I mean, I was... It's difficult because I'm trying not to put a term that we use now, but would it be like in the sense that we have bishops? So people would respect their their history and their knowledge and their worthiness, and therefore his letter would mean something to the people he's writing to. So there would have to be a, a weight, a weight to his word that, that means that he knows Jesus, he knew Jesus when um, so it's, it's a leader walking in the way of God. I understand what you're saying, Kate. Let's ask this question. Would we call ourselves apostles? If you wrote a letter to a friend, would you say, I, Aaron, an apostle of Jesus the Messiah, write to you uh, from sunny Jerusalem. Blessings, grace and peace. Okay. They, yes, they do. There are places where they do, but it is not common usage in our uh, Western world. Now, why not? And it, it could be, Kate, because as you're suggesting, it has some weight now. That and uh, and and in the Didache, which is this book that we have mentioned in our studies before, uh, it 
it calls bishops apostles. It says the bishops, the people who have been elected overseers, these are your apostles. And it, as, as, as though that there is some sort of office uh, as such. Um, now, that's not to say that we're not all sent ones. We are. Uh, and yet we also know that Paul has a particular calling and, uh, and, 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 uh, and a role in, in, in his life. And he, though he has never been to this city and never been to this community, he feels the, the need by the spirit, of course, to, to send a, a letter and, and, and engage in some correction. And he adds weight to his name. Well, in the Talmud, you know, when it talks about people who follow Jesus or who were with Jesus, you know, there are some Pasukim that they mention, they, they usually mention them as students of Jesus, the Nazareth, like Talmudia Yeshua. Uh, apostle, I don't, I know, I mean, in, in modern day Judaism, we have in Chabad, we have a lot of, you know, <laughs> apostles around, but in the ancient Judaism, I don't know, maybe Arya knows. Yeah. All right. So uh, I've got two hands raised. Honor the hands, Vida or David? Just Aaron, it just says this apostle is by the will of God, which when we go to Acts, you get when they're nominating uh, Matthias to be the third apostle, or the 11th, 12th apostle, <laughs> the third one, the 12th <laughs> apostle, they give a list of criteria, obviously the one having to be with Jesus and be, you know, be have seen all that Jesus did. Now we know in a sense, Paul didn't do that because he he wasn't really a convert at that time until after the death of Christ. But yet we know Christ called him personally. God called him personally to be an apostle. So I was just thinking in modern day, I don't know if you, I've heard some people say with the, the first, the 12 apostles were the unique fundamental um, core of the apostleship. And you got in Revelation, the 12 foundations of the apostles, which are those 12 and I don't know who the 12th is but today you still get apostles because even in, as you went on in Acts you saw apostles arising are they a subclass of apostles if that makes any sense what I'm trying to say yes no it's 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 the thing is it's in the text and uh, so it becomes this loaded term like who are they are we not them um uh Andrew writes uh from sunny South Africa no Paul writes to saints not apostles he doesn't say Paul, an apostle, to the apostles in Colossae, to the saints and the fellow brothers. And there seems to be, in this case, a, a term of, 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 uh, of some sort of rank, some sort of privilege. And yes, we do have the experience in the book of Acts that you have to have seen Jesus. Now, Paul writes, I'm an apostle, and then quickly adds, by the will of God. And you go, and of course, now what would we... How, what what would we say would be his? When would the, the will of God appear in his life to make him called Damascus. to be correct? Obviously, the big one, right? His Damascus Road experience, his time in Arabia, all that background that we got when we studied the Book of Galatians, um, and you know, he says, "Look, I've I've got some, uh, I've got a resume here." Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Janet, sunny Canada. Yeah, um, Arya may be able to help here. As he said, this has a, in Greek, it has more of a sense of being an ambassador. Well, an, an ambassador always needs to be uh, ratified, like he represents somebody else. So when Paul is writing, he's saying, 
I, I'm, I'm almost, is he saying I'm coming on behalf of, of Yeshua, the Messiah? Uh, um, I, rep- I represent him as I'm writing to you, which is quite a high calling. But I was thinking of the other scripture that says we are ambassadors of Christ. Yes. Does that use the same Greek word, Arie? The normal Greek word for ambassador actually is it would, it would be presbyter. Okay. Uh, apostolos literally just means one who is sent, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an apostle in, in our big uh, cosmic usage. Apost- mm-hmm. Apostolos appears in the New Testament as someone actually who's been sent locally by a local congregation for a specific mission as well. So there's kind of levels of apostleship that are going on here. Paul is clearly invoking the high one. Yeah, because he doesn't call Timothy one, right? Mm-hmm. So Timothy's the brother, right? He could have said, you know, uh, I'm an apostle, and so is uh, Timothy. So here we are. Paul, an apostle. He's, it's his resume. He's one of the, and we, we'll, we'll use it in terms of its highest uh, appreciation of the word. By the will of God, referring to his calling from the Damascus Road when he was out to destroy the faith, it ends up encountering the risen Lord. And uh, knowing his background in Galatians, so some time that he spends with uh, in Arabia uh, learning, then um, and Timothy. So who's Timothy? Where does this guy come from? What do we know about our little brother Timothy? Both from the text and perhaps a little bit of hagiography, if anyone knows any. There, Janet. I I find it very interesting that he refers to Timothy as our brother. He's he's sort of introducing himself and Timothy as <laughs> we're not we're not coming as outsiders we're, we're coming as as your brethren as your brothers. Yeah. He could he, um, when he, when he says "are," I think it's meaning to include all of them. I mean, he could have said "your," but the yeah, "are" sort of seems to include everybody. What do you know of Timothy off the top of your heads? Yes, he has. Uh, Mother like... Jewish. Yes, they're Jewish. His, yeah. his grandmother and mother are Jewish. And as soon as Paul hears, Shaul hears that he is Jewish, he circumcised him, right? Yes, because his Gentile father did not. And uh, so he then uh, uh, joins in the, the, the story of the Jesus movement, has a couple of letters written to him. Um, there is an apocryphal work um, called the Acts uh, of Timothy. Okay, and uh, what does it describe? It just describes some of his adventures outside of, of Paul, because um, he survives um, an extra twenty years or so than our, than our brother Paul. Uh, ends up becoming, according to hagiography, which is just a uh, the lives of, of the saints, ends up becoming um, uh, the leader of the community in Ephesus. And uh, and encountered John, who uh, also was in Ephesus for a while. So they end up working together for a bit, and uh, ends up getting martyred, like most of them, during a particular nasty time of uh, outbreak under an emperor called uh, Nerva. Uh, none of that, of course, is written in our Bible, um, and that's actually just recorded by word of mouth or history by the early community. So he's a brother, and 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 uh, the saints and the other brothers, which 
good for your reflection on a community of risen Gentiles to those who are in the Messiah in Colossae. Grace and peace from God our Father. Anything there missing? Some of his other epistles then express, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But this time it's actually a short, shortened uh, uh, greeting. So grace and peace uh, from, from our Father. Um, we we'll always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Does that, um, why do you think he, he has to sort of explain this introduction? One of the things we don't know about exactly in this, in this letter is exactly the problem he's having to deal with. We're going to have to work it through some inferences. Some, some letters of Paul, he will actually name his opponents. Sometimes he will name the problem. Uh, he might even name the charge that's been brought against him, etc., etc. But here, no. Uh, so he just says, we thank God, and who's God? He is the Father of our Lord. And so one theme that's going to shine through in this epistle is that Jesus is Lord. And, uh, the Lordship of Christ is it, it, it's, uh, central to Paul's writings. And uh, So we thank God when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith. And so he's, um, he's had the, the message that there's this community that sprung up in Colossae. You have no idea. You have never been there, been there before, but you've got lots of brothers and sisters now uh, in this place you've never been, and um, it's a joy, a joy thing. What has he heard? We've heard of your faith in Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Again, that word, all of the saints that are probably living as opposed to all the dead ones. Um, what is we've heard, heard of faith, heard of faith and love. What would Paul probably have heard? How do you hear of someone's love? Yeah, it's not in a pop song. Love, love me do. Okay, it's he's he's heard of um he's heard of their actions. And uh, and again, that's one of one of the things you're gonna ref, ref, reflect back. How do we walk, engage in a walk worthy of the Lord? If you actually do believe in the Lordship of Christ, if you actually do believe that he is Lord and King, then how do we walk? How do we, how do we actually turn around uh, and love? So I've heard, we've heard of your faith uh, in, in, in the Messiah and of the love that you have for all of the saints. Now, um, what might that reflect? What, what does love for all of the saints, what might that look like? Or what do you hope that it looks like? What would you like it to look like? Says praying for them, providing for them with money, with um, food and homes when they come over. It's something big enough that they heard about it. So it's not just simply, oh, there's a little group of people sitting around a couple of houses in Colossae and they're praying nicely for you. Know, for you. Um, we've, we've heard of your love for all of the sins. That there's actually there's an expression that actually goes beyond uh, and out into the community, and, uh, and so we've heard it, and the Colossians have probably heard it. That there's this group of people appearing in their community who happen to be a little different. They act a little different. They behave a little different because we're wanting to walk worthy 
of the Lord. We want to have that our love and our actions are actually worthy to be called uh, Christian. What's that song? They'll know that we are Christians by our love. Well, what does that mean? Right? They'll know who's going to know or somebody who's not uh, Christian, but they'll know that we are. Why? Because of something that we do, not something that we feel. So, the, uh, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Okay. So they're doing their faith and their love as uh, is, is being spurred upon by uh, hope. So uh, where'd the hope come from? And what is the hope? I think the hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, all right. Nice. That's, uh, especially being Easter. Let's always talk about the resurrection. <laughs> yeah. I always like Peter's epistle. Be prepared at all, all times to give a reason for the hope that you Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's exactly right. I mean, we often look at our world today and we think it's an absolute mess. And that might be true. Okay. You know, banks collapsing, different types of wars occurring. Uh, economies, all little kinds of trouble, totalitarian dictators everywhere. But uh, the same mess was 2,000 years ago. Um, right? No change, lots of dictators, lots of wars, lots of mess. And, uh, and yet these guys can turn around and have hope. A hope that here, laid up in heaven. John. Granted, this might be a little bit more from other books of the Bible, but I think it's also valid here. Um, the antecedent or this hope because of the hope laid out for you, right? You have your faith in Jesus Christ. You have the love of all the saints. Um, but you have different passages, both from Paul and from Peter, which in my opinion, point towards the hope that we have being not like physical treasures, right? So when we, when we go to heaven, what do we want? Gold, mansion. silver, mansion, streets made of barrel, and etc. I would argue that's not particularly the point. <laughs> Agree. Heaven will be beautiful, and nature will be good, as it was intended to be. But um, the hope that's laid up. The uh, word that's also used, uh, Paul uses it in Second Peter, or not Second Peter, that's Paul, Second Timothy, um, where he talks about, you know, what is laid up for Paul, the crown of righteousness, and what is the crown, the, the crowning achievement of Paul? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown right so when you're looking for and going back to peter different author i know but uh peter talks of a living hope immediately followed by an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by god's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time peter continues on talking about this living hope this living and then he mentions the word living two more times one in relation to jesus 
who is the living stone, right? The cornerstone. But there's another set of people or things, if you will, that are living stones, the people. Um, and so for me, I think perhaps a little bit less in, in Colossians 1, but the hope that we have, that we look for in heaven, is in fact the love of the saints, right? That's why we have hope, because we have all of these brothers and sisters who we thank our God for all the time, because we're encouraged by them, we're talking to them, we, we see what they're doing. We hear of their faith, we see their faith, we feel their faith, and in turn, the things that we do have significance because they help other people have faith. They help other people be thankful. They help other people hear of God's love. Um, and so for me, a lot of what you're looking for in heaven is these treasures that you have, this hope that you have. Of course, you know, yay, we'll have mansions or whatever it might be, a space, shall we say, if Aaron uh, wants to get into it. But the hope that we have is the fact that we have faith in Jesus and we have love for the saints. And I these think two things, God and people. And he, he deliberately writes, it's the hope that's in heaven and if, the, if it's in heaven what does that mean it means no one on earth can take it away right this is not something that can get robbed from us because you could say i you know i hope in the I, I love the saints that are on earth i love the good works that you're doing on earth i have hope in them on earth because if that's where we put our hope that eventually will fail we'll find communities who say that they love jesus and they don't you know, or we'll hear horrible stories of, of people who are supposed to be good, supposed to be good shepherds, and they're pretty bad things. And, um, and if we had trusted in them, then that would dash people. But this is something that can't be stolen, and the world can't take it away, ever. And so it's actually very special. All right, uh, Walfred. Yeah, I have a two-point uh, comment question. First of all, um, having been laid up for us in heaven, does that necessarily imply, I don't think it does, but I'm questioning, uh, that we have to go up to heaven to get it? Or does it mean that it's being reserved in heaven for that time when Christ returns? And, and the second part is that Jesus would speak of that time as the restoration of all things. And isn't that hope that when Christ returns and restores all things, things will finally be put right. And that's what we hope for, the, the ultimate reign, the ultimate rule of Christ on the earth. Mm. Well, when Paul summarizes all of, all of theology, you know, he breaks it down to three words, faith, hope, and love. And he does it here too, right? Your faith in Jesus, the love that you have, and the hope that's uh, in, in heaven. But the question Let's go, let's have a little look at it. Is this hope something that's going to be attained or is this because it's in heaven, do you have access to it or is it hope here? Any thoughts? You want to wade in? And the word in? is a present participle. It's a current, it's a current ongoing process of something being laid away. It's basically being stored up, kept in reserve for us. It's an eternal. It's an eternity. It's a. It's a life eternal with it's, with God. Is what we're waiting for. 
but, but flesh that out a bit more, REA, stored up, weighted, as in it's something coming, or it, you have access to it here as well? Uh, well, I, in my thinking, this is associated with Jesus' teaching when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In heaven. Okay. It's the whole Christian walk, in fact, if we break it down, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teachings, everything, it's a walk of deferred gratification. We give up something right now in the clear expectation that we're going to get even better in the future. Yeah. It's not that yeah. we're deprived or ascetics now. Jesus does say we will in this current life, et cetera, et cetera, inherit. But the, the, best, the best is yet to come. And it's clearly when, when we pass the barrier of death. Yeah. All right, I have to write sound that down. Okay, John. Yeah, again, the, the exact same word, the youth in, in 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. Uh, but he specifically says the crown of righteousness, which will be given to him, will be awarded to me on that day. Um, namely the time of his departure. Okay. That once he departs from this earth, uh, verse 6 in 2 Timothy 4, he fought the good fight, he kept the faith, there's something laid up for him, and on the day that he leaves, his time of departure, he, gets uh, he will be awarded this crown. Okay. Does that, I hope that helps uh, Wolfert, the question. All right, so the, we've got faith, hope, and love. Of this, you have heard. You heard it before. Like, there's not something new. Uh, you heard it before. The word of the truth, the gospel. Okay. Um, the, uh, he has to. He, the word of truth, which is the gospel. There's a hint as, as in, his, in his introduction here that the community may have heard some words that are not true. And this might be a little key to, to some of the issue that he's having to, to actually write. There's the word of truth, the gospel, to something that would be a false gospel, so a true gospel and a false gospel. Um, that happened 2,000 years ago. Has anything changed? Uh, probably not. Okay. There seem, you know, we, we probably can all uh, think of communities that are producing a false gospel. And, and you wonder where they have they heard that from. But, um, but he's saying, no, you've heard the word of truth. So I'm, I'm talking to a community who actually have received the truth. There might be something else coming in right now, but you guys actually heard the truth first. And, uh, which, is, and which has come to you as indeed the whole world. Okay? Which I, I, I love the way sometimes they, they talk, because obviously the whole world for Paul uh, is the Mediterranean area, <laughs> okay? We're not talking about Scandinavia here. We're not talking about deepest, darkest Africa or um, Asia or anything. And we're certainly not talking about uh, uh, the oceanic plates of um, Australia and, and things like that. Um, but fair enough. He's, he's talking about it that in the, in the known world, the, the, the truth is, is spreading. And it's spreading fast. We're looking at only 20 or 30 years here. You know, this, this message is going out. And it is doing what? Bearing fruit. Right? And again, walk worthy of the Lord. There is this fruit that uh, is uh, people can see, that they can taste, that they can actually get, get uh, a, a sense of. And, uh, and it's increasing. Right? The fruit is increasing. 
Now, where's the fruit increasing from? How's it increasing? Um, uh, is, is it increasing just by sheer volume or is it increasing in the individual? That's a little bit of both, um, as it does among you. So it is amongst them. Okay. It's increasing in this, in this time. Uh, all right, uh, Sandra. You just asked my question. Uh, what, what does he mean by fruit? Is it new believers coming into the faith or the fruit that grows in us, the fruit of the spirit? Okay, so that's good. And the uh, good Jewish answer would be? Both. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fruit would be, yes, absolutely. The, the absolute idea of the kingdom of heaven expanding, more and more people becoming our brothers and sisters, more and more people being able to be called saints and fellow brethren, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, then within those people, there's growth. There's more, more fruit. There's this better walk. There's more love. Uh, there's a, we're, not, we're not static. It's not that we become believers and that's it. Never, don't have to attend a Bible study. Don't even have to go to church. Don't even bother praying. You believe. You know, um, that's a very stagnant form of faith there. But it, uh, Paul is actually saying, look, no, among you, uh, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So bearing fruit has something to do with understanding, learning and understanding, studying. And as they learn more and study more and pray more and fellowship more and hear again the words of the Messiah, then and then the fruit starts to come out in more and more, more ways. And so it's a, that's what I think that it's actually referring to. And they learned it from a guy called Epaphras, who's our fellow beloved servant. He is a faithful minister of the Messiah, Christ, on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So somehow Epaphras has uh, known who Paul, who knows who Paul is. And has actually been to see Paul, most likely in Rome, and uh, has delivered him um, some concerns about the community in Colossae, and and this then is the uh, and then Paul pens a letter and then takes it back, most likely with the first. Okay, so uh, Vida, quick question: It's just where it says in verse eight, it declared to us your love in the Spirit. Is that? In the spirit, is that because they're not with Paul and they're not present, or is that in the spirit because this love is the love of God that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, in, in context, we could probably mean both. Exactly which one he's referring to. <laughs> no, I, I am going uh, to say that on my surface reading, I took that as in, in, in uh, because of the Holy Spirit that they have with them, that they're yeah. engaging in the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the spirit is these a walk that's worthy of the world. Because he always seems to use this phrase, but when people aren't present, uh, it's like you've heard of that in the spirit, the love in the spirit. So I was just thinking that's it's it's quite a, a weird statement to say if it is talking about love you've heard from somebody else. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, does anybody else, does anybody else read it the same way uh, that we do, that it's uh, 
an action of the Holy Spirit, or is it a, because they're not present? Both. A bit of both? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so who's this Epifrost guy? Uh, we actually don't know much about him. Um, so somehow he had uh, encountered uh, the, the, uh, the word and um, was then taken that, whether he heard Paul preach in another city, whether he heard somebody else share the gospel, we're not 100% sure. And, uh, but he goes and he actually plants a church. Uh, community in Colossae. You could imagine this occurring all over the the known world. Okay, we get we get one guy, and, and uh, the community. This is probably occurring all over the place. Um, he is mentioned in in uh, Colossians four twelve, and most scholars will say that because of the way he's mentioned in in chapter four verse twelve, that he's actually a Gentile. And if that's true then what we're looking at is one of the first occasions that a Gentile plants a church in the Bible. Because usually they were all Jews. So, um, but we'll just jump to that section right now, 4 verse 12, because um, uh, I'm not convinced that he is a Gentile. All right. So, not that it matters, but uh, so we'll start in verse, you're starting verse 10. Who is a Gentile? I'm sorry. Okay, so most scholars will say Epiphras, the one who actually brings the, the word to the Colossians, he's a Gentile, and therefore what we're looking at is one of the first communities that are recorded as actually having been started by a Gentile. Okay, because what you see in the book of Acts and in large sections of, um, of the epistles, the early church is all being started by Jewish believers in Jesus. Gentiles are being included, and then they're causing all kinds of issues. Okay, but this one is, um, uh, they, they would argue it's a, he's a Gentile. And they argue from this way. So Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. This is to the end of the book, chapter 4, verse 10. And Mark, the cousin of Bar Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And uh, Jesus, who is called Justice, okay, common name. And uh, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. And then Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf uh, in his prayers that you may stand and mature, etc., etc. And there's a few other names. And because you get the phrase, these are the only men of the circumcision, and therefore the next person, Epiphras, that would say, they would go, therefore he's not a, 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 a Jewish person. Okay, uh, John, you have you and I had a discussion on this. You have a comment for me on this one? Um, yeah. So the actual phrase uh, is it does, of course, say of the circumcision, but there are multiple locations where it seems to be referring to the party of those who believe in the need for Gentiles to become or to convert to Judaism as part of their process, if you will, of turning to God, not unlike, say, Rahab or Ruth or all the Egyptians that went to Israel when they left Egypt. So this concept of men of the circumcision, uh, several 
translations like NIV and the NLT just directly translate it as the Jews. Uh, the problem with that is that um, we know Paul had companions who were in fact Jews besides these two, right? Uh, there were more than just uh, Jesus and Justice who were working with Paul that were Jewish. Um, for instance, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, which he mentions in the same passage, probably a Hellenistic Jew. Um, Timothy, well, he had a Jewish mother. Uh, if you want to argue that he was Jewish or not, uh, can, you know, obviously every modern Jewish person would say if he has a Jewish mother, he was Jewish. People at that time might have had different arguments. However, um, my understanding of that passage is that Paul is working with two people who have a different theological take on scripture than he does. It would be very incongruous for him to then be calling them a great comfort to him, which he finishes this passage with. He is, he's in mortal combat with these people. Yeah, but, but two of them, and, and then he's upset, right? He's upset that only two of them are with him. So he, in fact, of course, is um, completely arguing with the concept. He disagrees with them theologically. Uh, and he's sad that only two of them are with him. Um, we, he does have other Jewish companions, though, who are around him at various points. You read about it in the other epistles. Yeah, in Acts 10 and 11, the same word means to circumcise. So it, 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 uh, Epiphras is still, it's an unclear uh, uh, thing whether he is or he isn't. So he's either, the, this is either the first church planted by a Gentile or he's another Hellenistic Jew who's, um, who's come on board and and fired up and uh, and playing with it. Uh, we know very little of, about him apart from that. This is he doesn't seem to like move around roughly according to hagiography, pretty much stays and shepherds uh, this this community. So and that and that happens in our modern world. Um, it's not always it's rare that you know, people stay in the one one place. Um, but it could be him. But Paul calls him a faithful minister. So he's, um, he's faithful uh, on their behalf. In, in chapter four, he says he's actually one of you. He's actually one of the residents of that. Of that. So back to verse nine. And so from the day that we heard, okay, we haven't ceased to pray. So we're joining in his prayer. We're adding to the prayer list, praying that, uh, that you can be filled with what? Knowledge. And so we're not praying for their physical protection uh, from danger, but we're actually saying a bit more serious. They be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. If you still haven't figured out what bearing fruit is, bearing fruit in every good work. That uh, this, this term of bearing fruit is, uh, is yes, it's fruits of the spirit, absolutely, and even those are works. Okay? Every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
So uh, the knowledge of God and of his will is not a static scenario. It's something that we continue to do. And uh, it, it reflects, I think, a little bit back that, you know, the word disciple in Hebrew, of course, is student. Go make disciples, go make students, go make people who actually study something and learn, grow, and, uh, and put it into perspective. So we're learning here that uh, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, this leads to changed lives. It's not just something that you end up getting a degree and can shove on the wall. This is something that actually changes your life. And uh, it changes the way you behave. And, uh, and it changes the way you behave for the good. It's a good thing. And, uh, and then it links into then more increasing of knowledge. So uh, I'll, I'll say a, bit, a little bit more about that in a second. But Yvonne, you've got a hand raised. Uh, yes, it just reminds me of Habakkuk um, 2.14, where the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's just so beautiful. Yep, and that it, it's, and, it, and again, my people are destroyed. This is from VTech. Uh, Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. And they've rejected knowledge. And, uh, and, and, and that's a bit scary. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to make too many comments about our modern day seminary, <laughs> but uh, but um, you know, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a bit scary when you when um, uh, you, you see the quality of some of our shepherds coming out. And you, what are you guys actually learning? Um, it's a bit scary, but we are you, Paul is praying, and he's praying, he's asking the Lord that they can be filled with the knowledge of his will. Okay, in spiritual wisdom and understanding, uh, so that even spiritual wisdom and understandings, these things that, that that occur in your head, are reflected by a walk that is worthy of the Lord. And walk, when you talk about the word walk, that is a Jewish metaphor. It's halachas, the lelechet, to walk. It's conduct and behavior. And this, uh, that's. Uh, it's, it's a very Jewish concept that you study something, you try and mimic your rabbi so that you behave like God. Be holy because I'm holy, which is what um, Peter says directly from, from Leviticus. But here, um, Paul is saying a, a very Jewish metaphor to walk uh, worthy um, in a manner worthy of the Lord. So what do you think that looks like in our modern day context? What for us is a walk that is that we would consider, that we hope the Lord would consider worthy of? Any, any, give me some examples, because we've got to try and put it into practice. Well, you've got the, the widow's and orphans that is so often brought up, caring for those who are, who are powerless, who are, are poor and needy, who are, are disenfranchised. Okay. Good one. And, that, uh, and that's a very practical, something that you actually love to put into, into practice and worthy of the Lord. Teresa? Um, yeah, it's, it's doing the word, isn't it, in, in whatever way. So it's giving, it's visiting the prisoner, it's visiting the sick. It's all of those things, that, and particularly, is it Matthew, is it Matthew 28? 
when I was in prison, you didn't, you know, you didn't come near me. Matthew 25. Sorry, Matthew 25. Okay. Um, But you know what I'm referring to. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is what we're meant to do. We are meant to be doing as our Rabbi Jesus has taught us, which is actually doing all those things. It's caring for, as a member of the community, it's being a member and caring for others, isn't it? In all sorts of different ways and doing God's will in whatever. And it's pleasing to the Lord. Yes. Like, isn't that interesting? We, what knowledge, understanding, spiritual wisdom is that you, you end up walking in a manner that's worthy and fully pleasing to him. Because mm. without this, you can't possibly do things that are fully pleasing to him. Uh, that's just not possible. And so how do we do something that's fully pleasing to the Lord? It's uh, um, have some knowledge, gain some spiritual wisdom, some understanding, increase in that knowledge, um, and, and then walk it out, put it into practice, uh, and, and then the, the, I mean, that becomes fully pleasing to him. All right, Linda, Scotland. Just as well you didn't say sunny Scotland because it's chucking it down. <laughs> um, yeah, one a vicar friend, vicar in the Church of England friend that I know said that he he actually became interested in the Christian faith and really touched by watching two Christians argue. It really impressed him and got him interested in um, yeah. and, and looking more at faith. Yeah, two Christians arguing. He said he just he, he stood and watched them for ages, and it just so touched him because it was different the way they argued. It was different. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There you go. How'd you come to faith? I saw Bob and Gary, you know, they were stuck in a religious debate. And it so impressed me I was going to join their group. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Yvonne, Brazil. No, and just a couple verses, one that you had mentioned the end of it. And I just, it's uh, in Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, that one. And then the in 1 John, by this we may know, we may know that we are in him, um, colon. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So yep. it's, that's... Um, it's a, a, a halakha, the, the, the term halakha. there is a Jewish metaphor for conduct and behavior. It's the thing is, it's, it's, it's not just mind games. It bears out in something real practical, something so much so that Paul can say, we've heard of it. We've heard of it even over here. Uh, not that you're building a great library, but because of your, uh, your bearing fruit. The fruits of the spirit, all of that, yeah. Sandra. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to mention, is the, is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, not just the, the actions that we do that are uh, really necessary to show, um, yeah, to, to, to show the character of God to, to others, but also not doing the fruit of the flesh that is so prevalent in this world but showing the fruit of the spirit in our, in our lives. So what's guiding the walk that's, that's worthy of the Lord? What is it that's guiding our actions and conduct? 
the knowledge faith. of his will. Faith, yes, very good. Love yep. for God. The Holy no. Spirit, okay, love in the Spirit. That's that's be true. These, these are the things that are guiding us. But also knowledge and understanding. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, you know, be filled with the knowledge of this. Know what God wants. Okay? And prayer. Prayer is so important because we we all need to ask sometimes, show me, Lord, and um, prayer. Right. Show me. Show me what? Show me your will. Show me what you want to do. Show me my calling. Right? Uh, it's, 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 it's somebody, let's just say someone will come, I'm a servant of the Lord. Okay, so what are you doing? Oh, what does I feel like? So how are you serving the Lord then? To serve the Lord is to, 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 to submit to his, uh, his kingship, his lordship. What, what is, what's your will for the universe? How, how do you want me to treat the stranger? And you, and you go, oh, you want me to, to, to give them clothing when they're, when they're naked and shelter when they need it. You got it. I'm all yours. I'm going to go do it. And, uh, but you need, to, understand, you need to, 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 to learn the will of this, the will of the Lord. Discerned by the Spirit, yes. But it's also done through the knowledge of his will and spiritualism and understanding. It's also there. Some people don't have understanding. Run off and do things that are actually inappropriate. Uh, Janet. Well, I think everything that's being mentioned is, is very, very good and, and applicable. I was just thinking of two distinctives in Yeshua's teaching. Uh, one was forgiveness, operating in forgiveness. And the other one is loving enemies. I think, I think these are very distinctive in the gospel. Uh, um, for, you know, operating in forgiveness because of the forgiveness that we have received certainly comes out in the parable. And, and also loving enemies. It, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know any other faith system that really operates in that. So that's a distinctive. And, and how we actually show that and do that is, is quite, uh, you know, is quite challenging. But I also think that our speech and, and how we speak about, uh, for instance, how we speak about our political leaders, if, if we don't agree with what they're doing and they could be doing some serious things, our speech and how we, how we speak about those things is, I mean, that, that's one of the main ways we communicate with people around us is in conversations, apart from all the practical things we do. So how, but I, I thought forgiveness, operating in forgiveness and mm -hmm. loving enemies. Okay, thanks. Very hard. The forgiveness is, is, is runs through the entire, the entire Bible, but particularly um, we see it heavily mentioned here as well. Because it's going to, verse 14 finishes that we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And if that's something we have, then, um, then that's something we should, I guess, want to uh, share that passion and the opportunity for forgiveness for everybody else. Helen, uh, who lives in Israel, but is also from Uganda. Thank you. I'm really blessed by this uh, sharing. I'm just looking at the high calling that um, he's giving us to walk worthy of the Lord. And uh, I'm saying um, we can only do that uh, if we know his will and uh, we have his understanding. And it reminds me of um, Romans 12, 1, where Paul says, I beseech you uh, to live 
body, give your bodies as a living sacrifice uh, in order to know the good and perfect will and, uh, you know, to be pleasing unto the Lord. And I'm saying that we cannot do this without uh, offering ourselves, you know, like a sacrifice is at the mercy of the master. By the time you're a sacrifice, I mean, you no longer exist. It's the master who has to decide what happens with you because you're laid down on the table. And uh, so if, I've, if I live my life laid down like a sacrifice, and then, I mean, I'm at the mercy of the master. I get to know his will, his way. And, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a way I just went to connect with that. And then I'm looking at, you know, many times we look at the rich people and they say he's worth this million and these millions of money. And I'm like, if we know the worth of our God and I mean, which we can only get to know through this prayer that God is saying that you may know the knowledge of his will, wisdom and understanding that you may know God. Uh, he says increasing in the knowledge of God. I think it's in the knowledge of God that we get to know his worth and he's worthy. And then, so when he looks at us, when we start walking our lives, we know that we have a God who is worthy and he has called us to live a worthy life like him. So it's, for me, it's really a challenging thing that I'm like, wow, I'm being called to, to live a worthy life because he's a worthy God. Yes. That's, that's what I want to add. Sounds good. And, and, and that, there's, there's a part of you go, that's the calling is amazing. I'm so looking forward to this at the same time. Uh-oh, I can't even mind. And so then he says, you're strengthened with power. Where from? Okay. According to his glorious might, he's sharing his power with you. And uh, for all endurance, because we're gonna, we have to something. It's, it's, a, it's a walk. It's a journey. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we slow down. Sometimes we have to get picked up again. But we have to endure. Sometimes endurance is not easy and it's not nice. Uh, and, uh, and we need that little bit of patience. And, and uh, doesn't exist in several countries of the world that we might be, be aware of. Um, but, and with joy. And this is the, the, one of the, the joy of our salvation. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And, and, uh, and patience. And self-control. But there's uh, also the blessing of power. Just the power we're giving up here is not sort of uh, uh, the power that, that uh, begins to rule empires and uh, take over property and land. It's a power that uh, actually to, to discern the will of God when there are other voices trying to, to tell us to discern their will or, have, or, or our own will. The power to resist that giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share. Now, how did he qualify us? Qualified you. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified you. Uh, we would say through the blood of the Messiah. Or it's an interesting, interesting way to, to, to talk about it. Qualified you for a share, again, a portion, in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who are the saints in light? Maybe these are the ones that are, have, brought, have, have departed. Maybe perhaps. Um, yeah. uh, Vida, you've got a comment on, on any one of those things? Or David? Aaron, I was thinking about all we've been saying. And yes, uh, the idea of growing in knowledge of the Lord and doing all this, isn't this what it is to be called to be conformed into the image of Lord Jesus? And uh, 
and to be like him, because that's actually our ultimate objective, isn't it? Because if we do that, then surely all these things, the fruit of the spirit and everything will fit into place. Hungry, you fed me, naked, you clothed me, and all the rest of it, right? So um, I don't think that any of this can come from any of our own strength. I think it's only the conviction of the Holy Spirit living in us that can place us in that position. So... Yeah. I'm sure one of the what it's one of the aspects of being strengthened in your power is the Holy Spirit. That gift. I mean, I can't think of many more things that are, are much more powerful than that. Um, yeah, but uh, the Jehovah. So, and but even having the Holy Spirit, of course, you can fall like King David, and so we have to we have to constantly, you know, uh, it's a walk with it's practice with knowledge is there, understanding is there. Understanding the will of God is there. Being strengthened by his power is there. And it's all there, wrapped up with endurance, patience, joy, you know, all of these fruits of the spirit. And, and somehow, as we're doing this, we're being transformed in mind, in, in, in the way we behave, so that our actual walk, our conduct and behavior is worthy of the Lord. So that he ends up saying, well done, good and faithful servant, as opposed to something else. And, uh, and there's, again, there's also this future thing called like inheritance. There's something being laid up, okay? And uh, the deferred uh, gratification, the, the thing that's come, uh, which is hope, which is also a blessing, which is also a reward. Sunny Jerusalem. Yes, I this being strengthened, I, I found interesting in the exact context he presents it in. He says, according to the power of his glory. Uh, I'm sure all of those other things we mentioned are involved here, but he specifically singles out glory. And it seems to imply to me that we, we are terrifically empowered when we see the Lord's glory. His, the revelation of his glory comes with power and emboldens us and uh, to all long-suffering, as he uh, points it out in the note, to persevere and to be long-suffering. I'm, I'm really captured by this thought of his glory. Um, I believe it was Moses said, show me your glory. That's true. Moses did. He beseeched him, show me your glory. And what did the Lord respond? He goes, I'll, I'll, show, you, I'll show you my goodness. And I like it. It's only a partial revelation, but of it's course. also in yeah. accordance with what we can bear. He can he cannot reveal his full glory to any of us at any particular time, but yep. it implies that our capacity to apprehend his glory should grow, and with it, our capacity to, to be strengthened by that revelation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you just say with what Ariel just said, Ariel. it makes me think of Genesis um, in the garden. Didn't we, weren't we covered with the glory of God, which, which Adam lost when he, when he ate from the apple? And so if we, were, if we are covered with the glory of God, which is our covering, which is Christ's righteousness, then surely that's our strength, is that righteousness that we, we are in him. There's none, the glory is all Christ, but we're in him, so we should have be covered in that glory, if that makes any sense. So it's very yeah. interesting what Arie said. It made me think of what we lost and what we gained again through Christ. 
Yes. And then as, and this is a journey. So we're sometimes experiencing God in, in, in deeper and deeper ways. And he's, he's, he's able to give a little bit more of his uh, glory or we're able to sustain a little bit more of his glory. Right. As, as opposed to if he just showed up and said, here I am, bang, you know, next minute, there's little wisps of smoke start disappearing away and they go, where'd Aaron go? You know, uh, disappeared in a puff of smoke. Um, you know, but uh, uh, I think you'd run, you'd run away. But yes, this it is a, it it assists. It assists in the endurance. It assists in the patience. It 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 it, it, it brings out the exuberance of, of joy. Um, just for that experience, no. It's not just that faith isn't an experience where you sit back and go, oh, I've had a really good time with the Lord. You, it's a walk. There's a response. At the end of the day, we now walk out a ma- in, a, in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's attractive. People who want to know why do you have hope? Why do you act this way? Why don't you act like everything else? Um, uh, because you're different. You're, yep, I am. And uh, and I'm, this is this is my walk, and I'm inviting you into it too. And uh, and exa- and and VTech also added as we gain more knowledge, should lead us to repentance. Yes, absolutely. There's this knowledge of, oh, I don't think I've been living a life worthy of the Lord. Probably should say sorry for that. And uh, and and then and then of course you have the the assurance of our salvation. So uh, there's the last uh, sentence can get a little. Um, uh, well, Paul doesn't shy away from talking about heaven things, particularly when he, he went there. Okay, uh, so he says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Right? He doesn't say. He has taken us out of the Roman Empire and delivered us into the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord. We're no longer living in Colossae. Okay. Silly little place. You know, not, uh, why don't we all just move to Laodicea? Um, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. The, the kingdom that, that wasn't of light, that where God wasn't ruling and reigning. And uh, we have moved. There's movement. We've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption. Now, this is a word that uh, for people who might not have been familiar. Now, if there's Jews there, then they can understand the word redemption in terms of its Levitical sense. But if you're looking at uh, some Gentiles who don't have access to a temple, then uh, redemption tends to be more in terms of like purchasing slaves and things like that. So there's, um, uh, but there's, a, uh, there's, an, uh, there's an act of buying back. And it's the forgiveness of sins. It's that something that's uh, now been redeemed as part of this transfer from darkness to light involves uh, forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins, which is an absolutely incredible treasure. All right. But the movement, as we can see, is spiritual. It's not physical. But it plays out in the physical. Because you actually walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? So the, 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 it doesn't just stay physical. Oh, I'm now no longer in, in darkness. I'm now in light. But it actually plays out in a real, in a real way. 
um, as well. So the, the two things track, track together. And Paul has never shied away from telling people that they need to do good stuff. Okay. Um, sometimes he's often accused of being the guy, oh, yeah, he only ever talks about grace, uh, love, and all that hippie stuff. Um, but actually, here is actually quite clear, isn't he? Right? Uh, there's some learning, there's some knowledge, there's some gaining of some understanding. That's it. That's going to take some discipline. There's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. But it's also that you can bear fruit, that you can actually walk worthy of, uh, of the Lord, which is all part of our calling. And uh, there's so much wrapped up in, in this. But he's beginning, this is his little introduction. Okay. Um, why does the community need to hear this? Um, we're not throughout the, the rest of the epistle. We might not always know who his antagonists are or exactly what the, uh, the opposition or what the, the community has been, been told or what the false gospel might be. But he can, he can make some inferences along the way. But at the end of the day, let's not keep Paul 2,000 years ago. Let's make this absolutely applicable to us today, where we uh, the desire is for us to walk in a, in a manner worthy of the Lord in, uh, and, and uh, reminding ourselves of our redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and our place in the kingdom of light. Right. Any other comments before we... Oh, sorry, Aaron could, I, Aaron, could I make one last comment? Yes, please. In the chat, and that's in, lost it, um, in verse 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, um, etc. This knowledge of his will tends to be, I think, used and misused. With a, okay, no, good point. To, to me, it means general, largely something generic, that we live according to God's ways. Um, but often people, you'll find people, Christian people saying, God told me to this. This was God's will for, for me to do. And then it turns out to be actually perhaps not such a good thing they've done. Uh, so I, I think we need to be careful how we use um, this term, God, his will, the knowledge of his will. I know we seek his will, but we should really be seeking it in generally, generally in the way we live. Our calling is perhaps linked to that. Um, again, that might be something general or occasionally it may be something specific. But mostly I would suspect it's something general. Okay. Thank and you that, very much. I appreciate that. And the reason, and I'm going to also add that being here in, uh, in Jerusalem where uh, the whole world comes, um, we've met many people who have, who really do believe that the will of God told them to come to, to Israel. So they've sold their house and they've moved to Israel and, you know, and they're, they're going to follow the Lord. And then a couple of months later, they'll say, well, the Lord told me to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You go, oh, my goodness, you know, your God seems to not know what he wants to do with you because he keeps shoving you from one country to the other. It's, like, it's a bit of a mess. Um, but you're absolutely right. We shouldn't bandy around this phrase. I now know the will of the Lord. We do want to understand what is the will of the Lord. How do we get it? Wisdom, understanding, patience. Does this, does this actually lead to a walk worthy, worthy of the Lord? Or are we just doing our own thing? I think there's lots of things that are in there. So that could definitely have to go into, into the notes. That, um, let's, uh, that the knowledge of the will, of, will can sometimes be misused in terms of a phrase. Keep it in its context. 
at the end of the day, is it bearing fruit? Is there some joy and love? Are you you a better disciple of Yeshua now or are we going in in some unhelpful places? Great. All right. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you. We will pick it up uh, next week from verse 15.